everyone. Thank you so much for being here as we continue this series called Life After Life. This is week three of this series. And if you're new here today, your guest here today, thank you for being here. And uh, it, you can always, by the way, go back online if you missed any of the services and watch them at solacechurch.com. So feel free to do that if you've missed any of these messages. Uh, speaking of solacechurch.com, if you're watching online today at Solace Church, thank you for being a part of our online community. And I want you to know this. We say this fairly regularly here, but at Solace Church, we believe that the online service is no replacement for being a part of our local body here at Solace Church. So I cannot wait to see you if you have the opportunity to be here at one of our services at 9.15 or 11. So thanks for tuning in today online. Uh, hey, this is, this is a cool series. So um, we're talking about what life looks like beyond this life. This series is called Life After Life because for the Christian, there is no such thing as death. There is only this life and the life to come. And so this series is talking about what life looks like beyond this present reality that we live in now. And uh, so, so far we've just taken a, a look at a little bit about the book of Revelation. And we've taken a look at the question, when will Jesus come back? And so last week we talked about the, the different views that exist inside the church that deal with when Jesus is going to return. And we didn't resolve anything necessarily because the truth is this conversation has been going on since Jesus left in Acts chapter 1. And so the church has been discussing what will, what will the events be surrounding uh, the eventual return of Christ. What the church is unanimously in support of, in an agreement of, is the fact that he is coming back. Jesus is coming back in a bodily return. That is, he is coming back not just in some spiritual sense, but we will see the resurrected Jesus. He left and he's coming again. So we've talked about those things. Today we're going to move the conversation forward just a bit and we're going to talk about what is going on in the life of an individual who leaves this world, we call that death or passing from this life, um, what, does that, what does that look like in the life to come? Now remember, it's important to say this, for the Christian, there is no such thing as death. Jesus, through his own death, burial, and resurrection, ultimately conquered death so that Paul could say these words, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so in Christ, there is no death, although we use that terminology to explain the leaving of this world and the entering into the next. And and so today we're going to talk about um, what's going on in the lives of those who have gone on from this world. Uh, this, this, This state is called the intermediate state. This is the period of time between now, currently... And the eventual return of Christ at the second coming. This is, a, this is a unique period of time. And you'll see why in just a moment. This intermediate state is the in-between period of time. And something that all of us need to understand about the intermediate state. Is that the intermediate state is temporary and not permanent. It is temporary. It's what is true right now. But it's not what will eventually be the reality once Jesus comes back. As this series continues to advance, you're going to see um, what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. We're going to talk about that in some depth as we move forward. 
if you are interested in reading about the intermediate state or about what's going on in the here and now or eventually what's going to go on when Jesus returns, I want to encourage you to read a couple of books. Number one is the book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven. This is a little bit of an older book, but it's an incredible book. Randy Alcorn chooses to do something the church needed to do a long time ago. He makes heaven unboring. He makes heaven a place you want to go to, as opposed to a place that you kind of just are okay with kind of making your way there. He brings heaven to life in an incredible way. He's a great job writing this book. It is very exegetically, biblically true. He does a great job um, uh, with, with uh, this book. also want to recommend to you a book by John Burke. It's a New York Times bestseller. I get no dollars if you buy this, okay? So this is no plug except for just a great book. It's called Imagine Heaven. I highly recommend you getting this book. It's a book about near-death experiences. I'll be referencing it along the way. It is a great, great book based on Scripture uh, as well, and so I would encourage you to read those books. In John Burke's book, Imagine Heaven, he does, I think, a very good job explaining what we mean by the intermediate state. John Burke says in his book, uh, Imagine Heaven, he says that there's basically three different states of being. He calls this present life 1.0. He calls the intermediate state 2.0. And then he calls the resurrected state, the final state when Jesus comes back, he calls that 3.0. So we're going to talk about 3.0 as the series unfolds, but today we're talking about this state here, this in-between state called the intermediate state. It is temporary, not permanent. It is now, but not forever. So let's talk about this state of being. If we're going to understand what it means to live in this state, if we're going to have any idea of what, what it looks like for someone to pass from this earth now and enter into the next life, There's several questions we need to answer now. Before I give you those, I need to give you this just preface. I have no idea today how this conversation is going to affect your life. I have no idea today if this is going to be comforting or convicting, if it's going to be educational or or enlightening in any way. I'm really not in charge of that. I'm going to leave that to God through His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. What I want to give to you today is the information from Scripture that Scripture gives us about this period of time because Scripture actually is really specific about this period of time. But over the next couple of weeks, we're going to answer three questions. We only have time for two of them today, so you're going to have to come back next week. Three questions. Number one, where will I go? In the intermediate state, where will I go? Secondly, what will I be like? And then third, and we'll get to that question next week, what will I be doing? To answer those questions, I want to take you to Scripture. I want to give you three passages of Scripture this morning, and I want to read to you those passages with little explanation because they're going to be the basis of explaining this and helping us understand what it means to live in the intermediate state when we leave this world. So I want to take you to three different places. First of all, I want to take you to Luke chapter 16. These are Jesus' words. Jesus is speaking here about the intermediate state. This is called a parable, but many scholars believe that that Jesus is actually using real people in this story. So I want to... I want to give you a picture of this. This, These are Jesus' words. Jesus said, verse 19 of Luke 16, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. We don't know the rich man's name. He's just going to be called the rich man in the story. 
At his gates was laid a beggar named Lazarus. This is not Lazarus who Jesus raised from the dead. This is a different Lazarus. And many scholars believe that Jesus would have been using a real person because it would have been confusing for Jesus to have randomly selected the name of an individual that he would raise from the dead. (laughs) This is not, this is probably a real person that he's talking about who was in this situation. Lazarus, he was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. Now, I've given you some words in in, in yellow here to help emphasize some of the points that are necessary to make along the way. If you're writing things down or sketching in your Bible or underlining on your iPhone, feel free to do that with these words. The rich man also died and was buried. In hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, that is the rich man, called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. And then Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received good things while Lazarus received bad things, but now he is comforted and you are here in agony. The story goes on to say, And besides all this, between us and you, A great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And then the rich man replied, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Verse 28. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And then Abraham said, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus said, if you don't listen to pastors. I'm just just quoting Jesus here, all right? That's, That's all I'm doing. Then you wouldn't even listen to someone if they would rise from the dead. And he's right, because Jesus rose from the dead. And there are still plenty of people who do not take his word as truth. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. I want to take you to one verse of one section of scripture in Luke chapter 23. Because it's important in understanding this whole dynamic. Jesus is on the cross. He is dying for the sins of humanity. There are criminals surrounding him. One of the criminals says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come in your glory. Remember me when you come again. And Jesus said, you don't have to just wonder about that or think about that. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And then one other section of scripture in Revelation chapter 6, which is important. For the context, John is seeing a vision and he's seeing seven seals that are opened. And certain activities are associated with the seven seals. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of what the seven seals represent and the timing of all that. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Just just suffice it to say, the fifth seal that is open in Revelation chapter 6 deals with the intermediate state. Notice what happens. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. These are martyrs, those who died for their faith. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? And then one last verse. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer 
until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. These aren't all the scriptures that deal with the intermediate state, but it's enough to give us a sense of what's taking place during this period of transition. I recognize that many of you have had loved ones who have gone on. Some of you have parents, some of you have children, some of you have family members uh, outside of those. Uh, You have cousins and aunts and uncles. Some of you have had close friends and people in the community and co-workers. You've had people that have passed on. They have gone on to the next life. And and, and I, I know this for sure, that if you had a good relationship, if you love them, or for that matter, even if it was a strained relationship, there's a part of your heart that longs to know what's going on in their world. As I said to you, my goal today is just to give you what Scripture says about their existence currently right now. So let's take these verses, these passages of Scripture, and let's answer the questions that we started with. Number one, where will I go when I leave here? The answer according to Scripture is this, either to paradise or to Hades. That's the short answer. Let's unpack that in just a, just a few more details. Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, turns to the criminal and he says, this day you will live with me in paradise. The the word paradise here actually comes from a Persian word, paradeza. This word was used to describe for us the gardens under under King Cyrus during his reign in Persia. This word described the most beautiful place on earth during the reign of Cyrus the king. The, the, the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. Don't get lost there. The Old Testament was, was written in he, uh, Hebrew. It was translated into Greek, which was the common language in the first century. When you read the Greek New, Old Testament, excuse me, When it talks about the Garden of Eden, it uses this word, paradeza, this paradise. It's the same idea. In other words, Jesus says there are some who will go to paradise. It is very clear in Scripture, it is those who have believed in Jesus, those who have believed in the provision of God through Jesus. Today you will be in paradeza, the most glorious perfect, beautiful place you could possibly dream up in your wildest imaginations. That's what Jesus said to the criminal on the cross. You talk about comfort, the dude's dying for his sins. He's dying because he's a criminal. And Jesus says, your debt is paid in full. You will today be with me forever in the most glorious place you could possibly imagine. It is directly connected to the Garden of Eden. Randy Alcorn in his book, uh, Heaven, suggests, and it's, it's a stretch, but it's, it's a good suggestion, suggests that the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned, was not just destroyed, but rather that God blocked access to the Garden of Eden. In other words, it still exists in its perfect form. We just can't access it until we eventually go into the intermediate state. Is that exactly true? I don't know, but it really makes my mind wonder. Jesus says, for those who are in a relationship with God, who are by faith, those who are called children of God, they enter immediately into this place called paradise. In, in, in Jesus' account in Luke chapter 16, Abraham is there, and this man Lazarus is, is there by Abraham's side. There's also a very real, real reality, and it's called Hades. Hades is the, is, is the word we translate into English, hell. 
Hades is, is, is the polar opposite. It is the, it, is the, it is the complete opposite of paradise. Whereas Paradisa is the most glorious place you can imagine. Hades is this place of despair. It is the place where there is the absence of the presence of God. And we'll see in a minute, it is a place of torment. These are the places people go in the intermediate state. Remember, though, those are both temporary places. These two places will eventually be transitioned over into the final state. and We'll talk about that in the weeks to come, and you don't want to miss that. These are the two places. Paradise, Hades. Perfection with God, absent from God. Second question. What will I be like? Now, this is where I think the church has failed you miserably. There was a first century heretical view called dualism. And it came out of Greek mythology or Greek mysticism. And this viewpoint said the physical body is bad, the spirit is good. So the great, great release from the physical body is really the greatest level of of, of satisfaction one can achieve. So get rid of the physical body and just have a spirit and then you've achieved all that you can achieve. Scripture comes along and says, no, that is exactly wrong. I'm going to give you some technical terms, all right? You can look them up later. But the idea in Scripture is really important of continuity versus discontinuity. Continuity is the idea of connectedness. That there is a connectedness between this world and the world to come. Now, there's discontinuity as well. There's something that's disconnected, and we can talk about that as well. But I want you to know, church, that there is a direct connection to who you are right now and who you will be in the world to come. Look at the text with me for just a couple of minutes. I want to draw out a few things that I think every person needs to know about the intermediate state, what we will be like in the world to come. For instance, number one, in the world to come, they were recognizable. When you look at the stories in in, in Luke chapter 16 and in Revelation chapter 6, when you see these individuals in the intermediate state, one of the things you notice is they were recognizable. Look at the stories again. Lazarus is called Lazarus while he's here. And Lazarus while he's in the intermediate state. The rich man is still the rich man in the intermediate state. In Revelation chapter 6, we see that that every one of these martyrs, they have a personal being. They are called each, each and every individual one of them. In other words, when you go into the intermediate state, you don't just lose your your personhood or who you are. You will be recognizable. Someone will be able to look at you and they will be able to say, hey, and give you your name. Some of you are like, oh man, darn it. I was hoping I'd get a restart, man. Some I'd hide myself kind of in a different person. No, that's not the case at all. You will be who you are. You, God gave you yourself and your uniqueness when he created you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and uniquely created, and that will never change. You will be recognizable for who you are. One of the things that people ask me, it's a great question, is, okay, so I'll be recognizable, but how old will I be? That's a great question. For the little ones, they're hoping they would be a little bit older. For the older ones, they're hoping they're going to be a little bit younger, right? 
Is there a good like, median age? Scripture actually doesn't tell us how old we'll be. There's no way for us to know. And there's a whole lot of discussion about this. For instance, for those who've had miscarriages, how old will that baby be? By the way, that is a baby. It is a person. And I believe that even those who've been miscarried, miscarried will eventually be. And those who have been aborted, I think those also will be before the presence of God, right? I, I, I think that they are persons, and Scripture tells us that they are. I don't know how old they'll be. Maybe we'll be 20 to 30 in that perfect body state somewhere. Maybe not. I don't know. But you'll be you. And you'll be known as you. Also, notice in the story, they had distinguishable physical features. I highlighted some of these words, but remember in the story, Lazarus is with Abraham at Abraham's side. He has a side. He can be stood beside and, and, and the rich man asked Lazarus, could you, take your, could you ask Lazarus, Abraham, to take his finger, physical feature, and, and dip it in water, physical material, and touch it to my tongue, physical material? That is to say, you will have a physical body. Now, this is where it's disconnected a bit. It will not be exactly like the 1.0 version, and we would say hallelujah to that, right? Woo! It's good news. But it will be a physical body. You are going into a physical realm, not just a spiritual realm when you leave here. You will know it as a physical realm. Those who are in Revelation, who are there before the throne of God under the altar, who have died for their faith, they are given a robe. They will not look like ghosts with a robe. They will look like people with a robe around them. You will have your body. Scripture gives us some indications about how that body will be. We don't know for sure in Hades, in hell, how that body will function. We don't know for sure the kinds of torments and hurts. I just would say don't go there. Don't go there. In heaven, we know that there is some sense of a a healing process that takes place. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where there's disease or sickness or handicap, anything like that in in the intermediate state. I do believe that when we're in the presence of God, we're liberated from those things. And that's great, great news for those who have had to suffer in this world in, in those kinds of sicknesses or diseases. Also, we see that our physical bodies, that that these people in the story, they all had their senses. They, they all had the ability to, to touch, to communicate, to hear. They have their senses intact. In other words, you will be you with a body that functions like a body. Will it be exactly the same? No, there'll be some distinctions. But you will have all of your senses. This is really good news. Because the body needs the senses to be able to operate as a body. It's a friend of mine who's now starting a church in Texas um, he, uh, when he was younger, he was, I think he was trying to slam dunk uh, a, a basketball. He was, he was not tall enough. White man can't jump. He couldn't quite get it. He got stuffed on the rim and he fell backwards. He hit his head and he lost his ability to smell. He cannot smell anything whatsoever. Now, there are certain moments that that's a wonderful blessing. And, and, but for the most part, think about that. I, I can't, I can't. He cannot smell anything. That's a limitation. We know that there are some people who, who, who their life is spent here on this earth without the ability to see. In the intermediate state, you can see. These senses exist. 
because it's a part of your physical existence. They had all their senses. Also, in this story, they had all of their feelings. Now, this is actually controversial, and you may be very uncomfortable with this, and I'm okay with that. Because sometimes we ought to be uncomfortable with wrestling with our, with our reality. They had feelings. I want you to think about the stories for a moment. The rich man and Lazarus. Jesus, in telling the story, says, Abraham looks at the rich man and says to the rich man, while you were on earth, you were comforted with all kinds of good things. Lazarus suffered on this earth. But now, Lazarus is comforted. That is a feeling, an emotion. And you are in agony. He is experiencing a very real emotion, a very real feeling of agony. Some, and we'll talk more about this next week, some of those people who have gone on and experienced a near-death experience have said that, that, that not only do you not lose senses and emotions, they're all heightened to an incredible exaggerated sense. In other words, everything is way better, everything is way worse, depending on your location. They had their senses, they had their, they had their feelings. One is comforted in heaven, and by the way, if you've, if you've lost a loved one, and they, have, they, have, they are in Christ, you can know this for sure, that the God of all comfort is the one who had comforted them when they stepped into his presence. There is an overwhelming sense of the love of God, and when you're in his presence, you are comforted in those moments. You can rest assured of that. It's very interesting, though. You look at the story of Revelation chapter 6, and something jumps out of the page. Think about this story. There are those who are there. They have been martyred for their faith. They're before the throne of God, and they are frustrated. How long, Lord, are you going to wait until the blood of the martyrs are avenged? How long do we have to wait? There are people in heaven who are frustrated with the timing of God. That seems ironic. But they are. They've been longing to see God at work, and yet they are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. <laughs> their, their, their feelings are on full display. You don't lose your ability to feel emotionally when you're in the intermediate state. I would even say eventually into the resurrected state. What else? They had an awareness of the activity on earth. It's really important. If you look at the story of the rich man and Lazarus, notice what the rich man, he's in agony. What does he do? He looks at Abraham and he says, okay, here's the deal. I know I can't get to you. We've had that conversation. But I w- would you send Lazarus back from the dead to go tell my brothers so that they won't experience what I'm experiencing right now? This rich man had an awareness of what is going on here on this earth. He was concerned about those who were on this earth. Notice again in Revelation chapter 6, those martyrs are before the Lord and they are saying, how long until you act on the earth? How long until you avenge our blood on the earth? It's fascinating. Some people think that when they get to heaven, they won't care what's going on on earth, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good and you're not, and that's all right. I'm over there and you're over there and, and so be it, right? I mean, good luck for you guys. I'm good to go. That's not what Scripture paints for us. Scripture paints for us that those who are in, in the presence of God and even those who are con- in hell, in Hades, have a very great concern about activity on this earth. Had a, a, an individual ask me a question. She said, Matt, uh, I'm having some dreams about a loved one who passed on before me and I'm seeing them in a dream and I don't know how to handle this. Is this just me, you know, wishful thinking? Is there anything going on with this? And here's what I, here's what I would say, and this might make you uncomfortable too. I'm okay with that. I think that I think that dreams play a significant part in the life of an individual. 
I'll do a whole message one day on dreams. You can look throughout scripture and see that, that, that a man's dreams oftentimes impacted reality in many different ways. And here's what I would say. I would not be surprised if, if, there was a, if there was a way in which God allowed us to interact somehow with those in that realm. I don't know how it all works and I don't know the details of it. But here's what I know. They are concerned about what's going on in this world. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. He is concerned about your life. And if Jesus is concerned about your life, why wouldn't the rest of creation who can see what's going on here also be advocating on your behalf as well? Is it possible that your family member or friends or loved ones who love you greatly might be calling out your name before the Father? Absolutely it's possible that that would be the case. They're concerned about what's going on in this earth. What else? They were subject to time. Two more. They were subject to time. This is going to be a little bit discouraging to some of you because some people get the view like when we get to heaven or we get to this, this next place, paradise or whatever you want to call it, when we get there, you know, time restrictions won't matter. I'll just kind of sit back and all of eternity, I'll just kind of not worry about time. Not the case at all. Actually, you will be very much connected to time. You and I are finite beings. We are only infinite because God sustains us and allows us to live eternally. But we are finite beings existing in a physical world where time passes. And in the intermediate state, they ask the question, how long? In other words, they've been waiting. This is almost discouraging. But in heaven, you might have to wait. Like, oh my gosh, I thought, that, I thought this message was going to be encouraging, Matt. I thought you were going to like, no, you might have to wait. How long? And then God says, wait a little longer. The time has not yet passed yet. And so, hear me. There is a passing of time that exists in heaven. Actually, there is no action without the passing of time. There must be the passing of time for an action to have occurred. Because we exist in a physical world where time passes. Now, it won't have the same effect as us. For instance, I don't think anywhere in Scripture it indicates that once we leave this world that we will age. We're still affected by time. They were subject to time. There are activities that take place in sequential events. Lastly, they had a memory. This is really, really important to hear. Abraham looks at the rich man and he says to him, Remember. Remember that in the, in the years that you existed on earth, this was your reality. And remember that Lazarus had a different existence. Then the martyrs who were there before God in Revelation 6 are recalling the fact that they have been killed for their faith and they are calling on that memory to ask God for justice. They remember. You will remember and I will remember. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's the worst news you could have told me today. Anyone will ever forget about a part of their life? Like, if I could just skip that section and not remember that anymore, that would be wonderful. Anyone? Well, let me just, let me just encourage you to know this. That's not going to happen. You will remember your life here on earth. Actually, I think it would be a great tragedy if we forgot. You guys know this, one of the most debilitating and difficult diseases to watch someone go through is uh, Alzheimer's or dementia. If you had a family member that had ever gone through that, you, you, you can appreciate what I'm about to say. 
But you take someone who is in their right mind, who can remember and recall whatever they need to recall in any given moment, and you watch them go through dementia or Alzheimer's, and what you see is slowly but surely their ability to recall information slips. And it slips to the point eventually where they would look at a family member that they've loved all of their life and not even to be able to call their name out. It is heartbreaking to watch someone reach a place where they can't even remember anymore. I think it would be a great tragedy if that was our existence. It's not going to be our existence. You will remember your life here on earth. (laughs) The good, the bad, the ugly. Next week when we talk about what we'll be doing in heaven, we're going to unpack this in some great detail. But I want you to know this today just as a teaser for next week. For those of us who think, well, we'll just get to heaven and all the other things will just kind of fade away and we'll get to start over. That's not the case. You will remember. Therefore, be mindful of the way you live now. It matters for the rest of your existence. And I don't think it's a bad thing to remember all that Jesus has saved me from. It'll draw me to want to worship him even more. So, that's where you'll be. And that's what you'll look like. What, you, what will you be doing? That's next week. But before we get there, let me conclude with this. Do you remember the words of Abraham to the rich man? You're in agony. In Lazarus is in comfort. Jesus made the difference. Jesus tells that there are those who are comforted and those who are in agony. And this is a, a stark reality about what Jesus says through this story. When you step over into the intermediate period of your life, 2.0, once you enter into that, you will either be in Hades or hell or in paradise And once you are there, you cannot cross over. There is no ability at that point to cross over and receive comfort if you are in Hades. And there's no ability, once you are in the presence of God in paradise, to ever be threatened with a hell. If there is anything I think that is critical for us to do before we move forward, it is for all of us to consider for a moment, where will you be when you leave this world? It is a forever kind of decision. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible as you listen to this message today that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.